0: Welcome to the Portage County Safety Council podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's safety chat. Hi, this is Nick Koya with the Portage County Safety Council and the Ohio Bureau of Workers' Compensation. And I'm here with Mike Thompson from the Portage County Safety Council. Mike, how you doing? Good, how you doing, Nick? Doing good, you know, I'm really excited. We just recorded a really fun podcast on how to sell safety. And as we were doing this podcast, you kind of had to stop, and we talked about it afterwards, and decided we really should do a quick podcast on this topic. And the topic was the safety box, and how do we break out of the safety box? So, tell our listeners a little bit first: what is the safety box? What are, what are you talking about here? Right. I know it sounds kind of cliche
1: because every you hear every all of the place different things get out of the box, out of the box thinking, break the box, all these different things. Well, if you notice in our culture, the reason why that message is still relevant even though we've heard it a million times, is we tend to compartmentalize everything. So in the workplace, what we'll do is we create a box for everything. This is my production box. This is my safety box. This is my HR box. This is my management box. This is my quality box. And we make these little boxes as if they're not integrated with everything else, right? And so what tends to happen is we think when it comes to safety, well, you know, you probably see this when you go to the floor or, or different facilities. You say, hey, what about A, B, and C? And they're like, well, we're doing everything for safety. We're doing our daily toolbox talks or weekly toolbox talks. We have the poster up. We have the, the free steak dinner contest. We do all these different things. And it becomes literally a checklist of check, check, check. We're talking about safety. But really, safety encompasses every system, every part of our business if we only look to the safety training piece or the what we I call the safety box, we're missing key ingredients there that could actually improve our safety performance and not just check the box. Are we doing safety training? Are we doing toolbox talks? And you gave a great example, actually, Nick, about hearing protection.
0: Yeah. So we were talking a little bit about you know how do we sell and how do we engage employees. And one of the things that I talked about in that podcast was The company I was working with had an issue with their employees not wearing hearing protection. And the manager was basically banging his head on the wall going, I tell them every day to wear them. They don't wear them. What do you want me to do? So we went out and we actually, instead of just saying, it's a check mark, you need to wear your hearing protection. We watched them work and we noticed that the people on this press line had to have a distance between each other, but they had to interact together. And they weren't wearing hearing protection. So we peeled the onion back and have this conversation to say, why aren't you wearing your hearing protection? You know, uh, We're not here to get you in trouble. I just want to understand why. And what we found very quickly was that the two operators needed to, to communicate between one another. And when they put their hearing protection in, they couldn't communicate. So now they were faced with making a decision. Do I have good production and good quality by making the adjustments in a timely manner? Or do I wear my hearing protection? And so they made this decision and it was decision to error that could have been fixed by management if we would have just had this conversation earlier and identify a different option. So I presented to the employees. I said, well, how if we gave you noise-canceling headsets that allowed you to communicate with the human voice but get rid of the dangerous sound waves? Would that work for you? And they said, yeah, that we would wear them every day. We want to protect our hearing, but we have to communicate to get this end of the press and that end of the press to work together correctly. So we identified a production issue and a safety issue all in one. And we were thinking outside that box. See, what the box
1: does, it almost blinds you. When you think safety, it means PPE.
0: Yeah. And that's they, all they were looking at for safety right. was he's not doing, they're not working safely. They're not wearing the hearing protection. And that's all they were focused on that safety piece. And so instead of a box, really, the company, I think, becomes a puzzle. And each piece has to latch into the other piece. That's perfect. And in order to do that, we have to break the box apart and get those pieces to interconnect together to create the ultimate picture, which is great number of production items coming off in high quality in the safest manner possible becomes part of that core value system.
1: Right. Integrating safety into your system, not adding safety just part of your day.
0: Yeah, it's not, you know, often I hear, I need another tool for my box. So I have this safety tool that I put in my box. It's a wrench right. and I have a screwdriver for production and I have a hammer for this. Well, th- those are all tools. And while they help you get to the end result, they don't integrate together well. Maybe we need to change our focus and start thinking of this more as a puzzle. And how do we get the pieces to latch together to create the final picture? More safety integration. Maybe that's a,
1: a phrase that we should refer to more often. And let's take apart your story. Okay. From an outside perspective, it's easy for anyone to judge that guy and say, look, that's obvious. Anyone should have caught that. But it didn't. It took a fresh perspective from a safety consultant to come in, observe, because we get blind to things that we see so often. We get used to it. And because that safety box puts blinders on us, we only view it from a particular perspective, usually safety training or some kind of policy. A lot of the safety training I've been through, they'll talk about policies and procedures, policies and procedures, policies and procedures. So what that does, it braids us, and then we start to frame safety and around policy and procedures. No, there's a real human being. There's a real system there of how people work together. In this case, it was communication. So the safety issue was not PPE. It was communication. It comes down to root cause analysis almost. There's a, there's a factor in there. Okay, we see the safety issue, but is there an effect here? Is compliance bad attitudes? And it can be. Right. Is the guy just doing it or is it actually preventing them from working? You see this oftentimes with machine guards. You see this often with other things. And and I'm not advocating removing those here what I'm saying when we're right. talking about it. But there is something that's a little deeper rooted. So in this issue, if we just look at the safety box, which would be PPE, we missed it and we're just getting frustrated like that safety manager did that this isn't
0: getting done. But it's really a more – a deeper root cause analysis needed to take place. Well, and 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 really what it comes down to, and I've been pushing this as a safety consultant for years now, is I can give you all the written programs that you need. I can identify all the PPE and put it on the table for your employees. But they have to make a decision to do things correctly. And so it's a behavior issue too. And so we have to learn to look at this as managers, not just as, hey, this is a safety issue. You're not wearing your hearing protection. What's the behavior? What's driving that behavior behind it? And that behavior is going to affect everything. And so we have to learn how to manage behavior and how to get outside of just saying it's a safety checklist. I'm checking my box when I walk by to say, wearing your PPE, you work safely today. Because they could wear their PPE and they're still not working safely. Right. And that's what Carrie said in the last podcast is, are you
1: lucky or are you safe? You can have a great safety record and you could just be lucky because those near misses never actually made contact. So this month we surveyed our members and we asked them two interesting questions. I'll talk about the second. I said, when you feel tempted or pressured to work unsafely, what are the factors? What are the causes of that temptation or pressure? The number one response was tiredness or fatigue. That shocked me a little bit. I didn't expect it. I knew fatigue was an issue in here. Here's another issue in here. Only about half of those, about half the amount, cited overtime or strenuous work schedules as part of that. As a safety issue, we know that. According to OSHA, and I believe NIOSH had some studies out there, fatigue can increase chances of injury up to 38%, especially if you're talking night shifts. Right. So how many hours are your staff working? Are they working overtime? That it could be an hour issue. Maybe you need to suck it up and bring in some temporary workers, some some other staff, beef it up. And I know we may lose a little profit on this, but it helps ensure a little bit of safety. Or if it's not the issue, we can jump in there and say, Hey, this might be a lifestyle issue. People in our thing, they have some stuff going on at home. How do we help address the healthy lifestyle? There's so many different factors, but the thing is, are workers tired? Let's get to the bottom of that. Is it the stressful work environment? Is it something at home? Are they working
0: too many hours overtime? And really just kind of break the PPE kind of mode with the safety box. Right. And and really, that's a big piece because if they are having tiredness in the workplace and it's because of stress in the workplace and those additional hours – You know, we have a shortage of workers right now. So we have a lot of facilities pushing that hour's work meter. They take them from eight-hour shifts to 10-hour shifts, five days a week to six days a week. Some people work seven days a week. And so that stresses the employee. Not only is it unsafe, but what does your quality and quantity look like as you go down that line too? So yeah, it may cost you some money to bring in that temp worker to ease some of that work burden, but are you going to have better quality and quantity at the end result too? And the second piece is the companies that I have worked with That have great safety records and really are doing a good job, not only with the compliance, the OSHA requirements, but have a culture of safety, a culture in which you can just feel safety in the building is this. It's the safety manager and it's the production manager and it's the shipping manager that have a very good relationship with their workers. It's the president that I walk around the building with. And they walk up and they go, Joe, how are you doing? How are the kids? How was that baseball game last night? Hey, Johnny, how was uh, how was your bowling team last night? What would you guys score? They have this personal relationship and they know people and they can identify those triggers early and intervene with that. And they've tied safety. So it's tying safety into the culture of the company, not just it's a checkbox. So you're not wearing your safety glasses. And they're able to identify when people are doing things that are just out the norm. Why are you not wearing your hearing protection? You know, what's going on? What's, what's causing this here? They're willing to have those conversations. And they're seeing better results from that. They're encompassing everything. They're not just looking at safety as a checklist or as a tool to get compliance.
1: Here's another thing. When you look at the safety box, you're putting safety under a microscope. Again, you're isolating specifically safety issues. So even if you look at near misses, even if you look at the accents and you, you kind of study and you look at all these things, we get that checkbox, we could be missing the big picture altogether. Right. The second issue on that survey uh factors of that cause us to that tempt us or pressure us to work unsafely was complacency or lack of situational awareness, focus, these kind of things. So in our safety box, again, looking at PPE, looking at the near misses, those are good things. But are we doing something to actually address another root cause, which according to our members, was complacency, situational awareness. You just get so caught up in the mundane task. Yeah. Is that it? Is it just the everyday task the lack of focus because I'm here. I'm putting punching out widgets again, punching out widgets, punching out widgets, and you kind of just don't pay attention because you're so routine to it. And so, maybe the solution at that point is job rotation. Maybe it's something you
0: know, you know, I don't know if you have any comment on that or how you want to approach it, but oh, I see exactly what you're saying here. And it does, we become complacent in the things we do, and safety is easy to become complacent with. Sometimes, the complacency is safety as a checkbox. I don't know how many customers that I visit that say, Nick, can you put together a checklist for me to do an assessment of my facility? Sure, I can, but that's all you're ever going to see. You're going to say, fire extinguisher where it needs to be? Yes, but you're not going to see the fire hazard that's sitting right next to it because you're looking at that checklist. Safety needs to become part of culture, and it needs to just be what you live and breathe in the facility, and it needs to be that puzzle piece. It's not going to be a square box. Okay, it's going to be a jagged piece that's going to overlap into a lot of different areas. And we have to understand that. So we have to break that box apart. We have to look at something different.
1: Here's what no one wants to hear. You really have to engage your employees. Yes. Everyone's cool with engagement, but you're going to have to take the time. Me personally, I would survey them like we did our members. Easy. Free survey monkey gives you 10 questions. You throw something out there like we did. You make everyone your staff go through it. If you're concerned, they're not going to be truthful. Have someone like Nick or someone from the outside come in that can take the survey. That way there's no issue of trust there where they feel like there's going to be consequences for that survey. But you start asking them questions. When you feel tempted to work unsafe, what are some of the factors? If it's fatigue, not you know, we had probably about 10 responses on there. Then we had a blank column for other on our survey where people chimed in a few of those. The crazy part is when people start answering these type of questions, now we could actually pinpoint where our problem areas are our workers feel like they're being pressured or the pressure the to take shortcuts to get the job done could actually be a result of fatigue or some of the stress factors. And we may not know how to articulate it or explain it with words, but when we get the survey, it gives them space to actually communicate when they feel tempted, when they feel pressured to work unsafe. A lot of people in that survey, Nick, said they feel pressured to cut corners and it didn't come from supervisors. This is the ironic part about it. See, Me assuming, looking into that initially, I thought, well, this had to be pressure from supervisors, but they didn't respond to that. It's their own self-pressure to meet deadlines and
0: deal with the stress of work while tired and complacent. It becomes the question then becomes, what is the culture? Do you have pressure to, are your goals, all right, the culture is derived by your goals. If your goal on your board or your monthly talk from the CEO is, we pushed out 10,000 units this year, it was the best month we've ever had. Great job, team. Yeah, congratulations, you did that. But there was no mention of safety in there. What happens is now they subconsciously identify the most important thing is production, production, production. Yes. And that's where injuries come from. The other big issue that you have to consider when you start surveying your employees, though, is you have to be accepting of the results. If you do a survey and it's horrible and you don't like the results and you hide it, you're going to do more damage to your culture than you're going to do good. So you have to be willing to A, do the survey, B, accept the survey results no matter what they are, and then most importantly, C, react to those results in some type of productive manner by sharing those results and putting a game plan together.
1: That's a tough pill to swallow. I did survey early in my job year. So I went to a manufacturing facility, just keep it real generic. The HR manager invited me in. We talked about some things she wanted to pinpoint. We took a survey. Uh, I think there were around 150, 180 employees, I think just over 100, 120 completed the survey, we kind of tied that up, and we identified a few things. 30% of their workforce was looking for another job. And so right. I have a meeting, a follow-up meeting, to go over the results of the survey with their middle managers and supervisors. They weren't too happy. Right. They said some terrible, threatening things, I guess, after I left. <laughs> and, and that's part of the culture. Can your culture actually face the truth when it comes to it? 30% of the workforce was looking for another job. Now, she thought it was a particular supervisor. The results of the survey showed All the shifts were equal and each shift supervisor. So I said, it's not a supervisor issue. It's a culture issue here because every shift, you thought like this guy was worse than this guy or whatever it is. But literally every shift had the same issue, 30% almost exactly, maybe a couple percentage. It's a culture issue and you have to face that. Now the supervisors have to face the reality that a third of the workforce don't want to work for them and they don't like that. And so
0: because there's pushback, guess what happens? Nothing. Right. And, and there's no actually change to the organization. And so, then the employees see that result. They may not see the result of the survey, but they see there's no action from the survey. They express their feelings honestly. Now they feel like they're not important. And that has a diminishing result on production quality and safety in the facility.
1: Right. And you really have to be able to subjectively put this like a third person, look at the results, take your emotions aside from it, because it can be tough. You know, especially if you're a supervisor and you see your employees don't like working for you. That's a hard pill to swallow. But if you look at that, you can pinpoint a couple things and get some really good information. After the survey we did, I'm thinking, wow, our members have a real big issue with fatigue. Now, only half of those people that responded mentioned working overtime. So cutting overtime may be the solution for half those members. But the other half, they have some looking to do. Is it work stress? Is it outside of work? These are questions that you could ask in quick surveys you could throw a generic one out there. I recommend if you want to break the safety box, throw a generic survey out there. When you work unsafely, what do you feel is the cause, the reason, the pressure? When you work safely, what do you think it is? What's your motivation? Ask a couple of simple generic questions, get feedback, and then do a follow-up survey a few months later and actually pinpoint it. So after this survey, we could do a follow-up. Okay, so fatigue was the number one issue. Right. And then complains to see was too. And then the second was uh pressure to meet deadlines, get orders out, and all that stuff. Okay. So I could do a follow-up study if I was an employer. We're not we're safety counsel, so we're not gonna do that. But we could pin that down to our staff. We could pin that down to shift. We is it only third shift people that feel fatigue? Is it first shift? We could we could there's so many different dynamics, and you just do that follow up and it gives you such information because you may find your safety issue has actually nothing to do with what we put in the safety box. I mean right. nothing to do with PPE. Nothing to do with all these other things that we make it. And it doesn't matter how good your stake is for the contest. Most of the time, that doesn't work unless there's already motivation
0: The factor driving the safety concern comes from a different area. So we have to look outside the box. Right. And we have to be willing to accept change across the board. You know, that's the only constant in business is change. If you are going to stay competitive, you're going to be better than the company you're competing against. You have to constantly be changing and staying one step ahead. And a lot of companies get comfortable with not only production and quality, but they get comfortable with safety and they're not willing to change. You have to. It's a constant. The only success you're going to have is by accepting that constant change and working towards that.
1: I heard someone outside of work say recently, they made a comment and it made me laugh. It made me think about it in terms of safety too, though, is they said, you know, people tell me they clean their house and they go over their house and it's not very clean. To them, it looks clean because they're used to the mess that they're used to. Right. And they kind of fold a few things and shove it up. And for them, it looks – it's a big improvement. But when I go there, I'm like, oh, wow. And it makes me think about safety. A third of our members said basic fundamental things like housekeeping is an issue. And right. we all know that. But sometimes to break the safety box, you have to bring a fresh pair of eyes from the outside because you're used to what it looks like. You're comfortable in your own mess. We all are. Personally, it doesn't change when we work. We come in this work environment – We're like, oh, no, that's fine. We have nowhere else to put them. Usually because inconvenience, but then we get used to and this becomes the pile of junk over here, the pile here, and the slip hazard because the roof leak never got fixed here. Whatever it is. And so when you get a fresh set of eyes, it can help bring that in and help you see safety from a different perspective and break that safety box.
0: It's because it's the answer we get to every question when we ask, why don't you change? Because we've always done it that way. You have to be willing to look at things differently. And have a different perspective. And that's what the safety box is. We have to get outside of this square of, it's just a checkbox. We have to integrate it with everything and realize that outside factors affect safety and safety affects outside factors and integrate that into our total culture. And when that happens, you're going to see a better product. You're going to see safer results. And you're going to have a better culture in your company. Yeah, and I just want to clarify. We are not against checklists. I think they're a powerful tool. Yeah, they are a tool, but we have to look beyond the checklist.
1: Yes. And if we're not careful, it'll help frame safety in our thinking as what's on that checkbox and not going deeper in that root cause analysis of why things are actually happening this way.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. You know, this is a great idea. And I hope this helps some of you out there in the public, in the safety world and in the management world, start to think about safety a little bit differently. We appreciate you listening. It was a great idea, Mike. I appreciate it. And everyone be safe.